I had a favorite object lesson from my seminary teaching days that introduced the idea of courage. I would take a rat trap, demonstrate how it could snap a pencil in half, then I would reset the trap and ask for a volunteer to touch the trap. Eventually, based on my incessant urging, a student would tentatively reach out their finger and touch the trap, only to find, to their relief, that I had secretly disengaged the springs and the trap only appeared to be dangerous. We would then have a discussion about what affects, either for good or for bad, our courage and our faith in the Lord. In this episode, we don't have a rat trap, but we do have a scripture story of danger and courage. The questions to us are the same as to those students. How courageous am I? Welcome to the Scripture Study Project. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and this is our podcast where we study scripture with you. Our goal each week is to help you discover new or renewed excitement for God and His Word, invest your heart and personal life into your study, and connect with others as you teach and learn together. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Scripture Study Project. We are here this week to study with you, and we are both back. We are both back. Zach, I have um, almost successfully in five years of podcasting, we're, we're coming up on five years, almost turned it over to you because I made you do a few episodes. And at the beginning, at the inception of this podcast, it was my, the idea I had for Zach to have a podcast. So slowly, you don't know this, Zach. So there's a but plan behind this. There is. It was just accidental. So by the end um, of these five years, it's all yours. Which is when we'll be done. (laughs) Which is when we'll be done. (laughs) Um, Anyway, this week we're studying in Joshua, yet moving on to another book. Last week was Deuteronomy. Here we are studying all of Joshua. And as you will notice, in your Come Follow Me manual, we aren't studying all the chapters. I mean, we are, but they're selecting a few select chapters. So you'll be reading, or maybe what you can focus your studying on is 1 through 8, and then the very end, 23 through 34. Um, 24, 23, 24, 23 24. and 24. I really liked um, some of the thoughts that we had in the Come Following Manual. Speaking of that, um, in between last week and this week is a little blurb about the historical books in the Old Testament. Thoughts, one of those thoughts to keep in mind that they put in. I would recommend reading that. I think it's good to be aware that we're kind of moving into a new section of scripture now. It's Moses has passed on. Um, he's moving on to, um, or passing on the torch, so to speak, to a new prophet in Joshua. Yeah. Well, in the first five books, the focus is different. Uh, in those books, even though it does tell the, the beginning of the story of God and his people, the focus is really on the law. Uh, in fact, those books are often referred to as the law, the Torah. And so it's an emphasis on the commandments that God gives to his covenant people. This next book is a focus on the stories, its people and their interaction with those laws, either their obedience or their disobedience, and how that law influences not just covenant Israel, but the wider area as well. And so you get stories of uh, those that are outside Israel and their interaction with the children of Israel and how the law influences them. And so it really starts to show the unfolding story of how God's covenant people and the law that they have promised to obey influences the wider world. And one thing you will notice that Joshua can be a difficult book to read. There's a lot of 
hard things that happen amidst all these miracles that we see and amidst all these really great things that Joshua and the people learn. But we can't leave out that big section in the middle of things that are difficult. In fact, I had a friend years ago that uh, he would only teach (laughs) chapter 1 and chapter 24 when he got to Joshua because the stuff in the middle just wasn't, in his mind, that inspiring. And it's a difficult read. But there is the inspiring mixed in, right? Yeah, But I can understand why. (laughs) Well, and like with other difficult books that we've had, um, reading some of the difficult things in Scripture helps us to place ourselves in the story a little bit more. If all we read is the highlight moments, then we can come away with maybe the mistaken identity that people long ago got it right all the time. And, uh, and we don't. And so the Bible, one of the things I really appreciate about the Old Testament is that it does acknowledge on the surface the humanity of the people that are trying to obey God's law. It's very open to us being um, mortal and making mistakes and learning and growing. And even as you teach your kids, I think these are important lessons for them to learn too, that it's not just all... Um, rainbows and unicorns when even in history and in the scriptures. So a couple of things that will help before we get into the actual episode, we thought we would, we would pose just a few ideas that might help you navigate this difficult book and other difficult books, especially if you are teaching it or studying it with others. Uh, And I wanted to throw them out with some fancy words so that you can feel cool about about these these tools that you have to navigate difficult uh, chapters. So the first is actually two fancy words that go together. It's exegesis and eisegesis. Those are two words that describe how we approach a scriptural text. Exegesis is taking the text and reading it in its historical context. Eisegesis is taking the text and reading into it our modern context. Now, that's not a case of good versus bad. Those are both tools that can be used at different times. For example, if I'm writing a sacrament talk on faith and I go to the story of Joshua and I'm looking for examples of faith that can fit in our modern uh, world, that's eisegesis. And it's wonderful. We do that all the time, as we should with Scripture, to find our story in the Scripture. But exegesis is looking at the story from the perspective and the eyes of its the people that are actually living it to the degree that we can. And this is helpful because when you reach difficult chapters, if we are reading a modern context into a story that's thousands of years old, it can be really uncomfortable because they did things differently. They talked about things differently. They experienced God or described their experience with God very differently than we do. And so if you're taking an eisegetical approach where you're reading modern context into the story, you might come away really kind of uncomfortable. Whereas if you can uh, understand that this is an ancient people and they have a culture and a personality that's very different from ours, um, it makes reading those chapters a little bit less, less prickly. The second two words, they're not quite as fancy, are ambiguity and nuance. Uh, no matter how you approach, no matter which scriptural text you're looking at, whether it's the Old Testament that's thousands of years old or the Doctrine and Covenants, which is a couple of hundred years old, uh, you can get around the fact that, first of all, we just don't know everything that happened because it's an old record. 
And we also can't get around the fact that it's a human record, which means it has complications with it. So ambiguous means we don't really know. And sometimes we're uncomfortable as members of the church saying that about our scriptures, but it is a totally appropriate thing to say, I don't know. If you hit something that doesn't make sense to just say, I don't get this, I don't understand it. And that's okay because the record is thousands of years old. It's also okay to say that it's complicated. We tend to try and oversimplify stories. We want to make them into right versus wrong, good versus evil. Um, And unfortunately, the people that we're reading about aren't that black and white. We're not that black and white. And so when you look at a story, because it's a human story, there has to be some nuance. There has to be places where we say, you know, it's probably more complicated than just this simple answer I want to give or the simple perspective I want to take. And so those words together, eisegesis and exegesis, and then ambiguity and nuance can help us when we approach difficult scriptural passages. And one thing that you will find within these chapters, like Zach said in chapter two and three, is that there's a lot of faith-promoting stories. The, the waters get parted again. The walls of Jericho come down, those famous stories. But within those stories are also some really um, painful and confusing things like people being killed entire civilizations getting destroyed kings being hung on trees by these faithful people yeah yeah it's a violent story uh, at the least and so using those tools i think can be helpful so with all of that what we want to focus on is this last week as we studied deuteronomy we talked about things we remember from our personal excursions in the wilderness, whether that's the pandemic over the past two years or some other kind of quote-unquote wilderness that you've had to be through. There are specific lessons we can usually only learn in a wilderness. Well, this week, we're out of the wilderness, and now Joshua and his people have to do something courageous. They have to start something new, and it's going to be difficult for them, Um, but they do have to take that step forward. And so what we want to look at this week is, first of all, asking ourselves the question, what is the next step that the Lord wants me to take? What is my promised land? Now, we won't answer that for you, but what we can do is highlight one particular characteristic that makes getting into the promised land a lot better. And that is the the characteristic that's highlighted right at the beginning of Joshua chapter one, which is courage which is the ability to move forward or do something difficult with faith. And so what we want to look at is, um, I, I said there's a nerdy way to look at this, so I'm going to use the nerdy way. When, when doing a research project, you talk about independent and dependent variables. The dependent variable is the one you're trying to influence by changing the independent variable. So if we're trying to, I don't know, see what types of food work better on particular types of mice, you know, the different kinds of food are the independent variables and the size of the mouse or the growth or the health of the mouse is the dependent variable. Maybe that's a bad example. But in the story of Joshua, courage is the dependent variable. And in the story, there are things that add to or imbue people with courage. And there are things that take away or uh, rob people of courage. So we want to point out a couple of those independent variables, a couple of things that influence uh, the courage of the Israelites and that, of course, can influence ours. Well, and I love this beginning, this chapter one, that be strong and of good courage. 
have courage, be strong. This is advice or wisdom or however you'd say it from, from the Lord saying, be strong, have courage. And I think it takes both of those things. It did for them. And I think this is a really easy one for us to relate today in all that we do as we're trying to move forward, to move on, to learn and try new things, which is part of our human experience. Yeah. yeah. Especially part of the one coming out of a pandemic and going into a new world. So for the first thing that influences our courage is actually kind of taking a throwback to last week, and that's remembering. I think I like the end, the last two chapters of this book of scripture, because it's that. It's the wisdom of someone who has experienced a lot and seen God's hand in his in his life, in his journeys and trials. Um, and I like that we have that remembrance reminder again to remember um just this verse here start this is chapter 23 verse 9 the lord has driven out great and powerful nations before you and no one is able to stand against you to this day one of you routed a thousand because the lord your god was fighting for you as he promised i just i liked that that verse stuck out to me because it was just that reminder of no he did this for you just like he promised you this is how this is what he promised, and this is how he fulfilled it, and this is what we saw. And I think that that's an important piece for us to remember is to remember. Yeah, well, it gives you courage when you know that he's been there for you in the past or for others. That's all of chapter 24 is Joshua reciting, the Lord did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this. Um, I, I noticed this at the beginning of the story, how much remembering can influence courage. Um, I... The story of, of Rahab is always interesting to me, but because I was looking for courage this time, something stood out to me that I hadn't noticed before. Uh, remember, Rahab lives in Canaan, um, in Jericho, and so when Joshua sends the spies in, they stay in Rahab's house. She hides them, protects them, and then helps them to escape, and because of that, she and her family are spared uh, and allowed to, to stay with Israel um, as they inherit the land. But she says something interesting, um, starting in verse 9. She said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. Now, we don't know how she knows that, but somehow she remembers or has heard that God has promised this land to the Israelites. And then in verse 10, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan. And then verse 11, And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man. So here's an example of remembering something that took courage away. But what's interesting to me is it doesn't take courage away from Rahab. She looks at these past experiences and for her, it gives her courage both to protect these Israelite spies and then to very boldly ask them for protection as they leave, which is granted to her because of her courage. I love Rahab. She's listed as one of the ancestors of the Savior, if you go to Matthew chapter 1, and it's probably, at least partly, because of this story of courage and faith, where she uh, is able to remember what the Lord has done and then to, to convert herself to that relationship with him so that she can be a beneficiary of his promised blessings. And so I love the idea of remembering is it's not an automatic um, increaser of faith. It takes a little bit of perspective 
uh, on our part to have past memories and experiences help us to have courage. The next thing that we learn from Joshua and how to have courage and be strong in his people is that obedience is very important. Um, I think that for me, as I read, it was kind of this overlying theme. And I think he emphasizes that in verse 23 and 24, that um, this happened because we were obedient to what God was saying. We were with him. We followed his instructions and we did what he said. Um, This is from 23 verse 6. Be very strong and continue obeying all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you do not turn from it to the right or left. Again, I think this it's that overarching, like, here is what I have learned. Please remember to obey um, because that's where the power comes. That's where your courage and your strength lies. Well, that verse you just read uh, harkens back to the very beginning of the book when the Lord tells Joshua, this is verse 7, be strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest to observe to do according to all that is written therein. And so for Joshua, obedience uh, is something he's learned by observation. He watched the Israelites in the wilderness and uh, watch their disobedience and the negative effect that had on them. And so he knows that in order for his people to have courage to do what God's asked them to do, that courage has to be predicated on obedience. Um, You see this again in chapter 8, when they have conquered Jericho and Ai, uh, Joshua sits all the people down in verse 34, and he read all the words of the law. In verse 35, there was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before the congregation of Israel. So it's very important to him. My favorite story in Joshua, in the book of Joshua, is no surprise because I think I've I've gushed about him before, is Caleb. In Joshua chapter 14, uh, which was included in the Come Follow Me readings, but it's one of my favorite chapters because it's the follow-up to the story about Caleb. If you remember, Caleb's the one that gave that optimistic report about the, uh, the promised land. And here, now he is in the land, And he recounts, giving that positive, optimistic, faith-filled report. And then he says in verse 8, chapter 14, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. In other words, because I was fully obedient, I was able to be courageous. And then in verse 12, Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. He's able to claim his inheritance courageously because of his complete obedience. I think that's why I like those stories of obedience in the scripture so much. It shows these people having experiences with God where they obey and he follows through and they obey and he follows through. And it's almost this, like, I need to write this down because this was so um, helpful, seems like an understatement, but this is how I want to live and I want other people to know about it as well. Yeah, well... I mean, we talk about that a lot of, of uh, how how difficult it is to be a rule follower in a world today that's all about, you know, finding your own way and being um, innovative and rebellious. And not that innovation is bad, but uh, being obedient is sometimes looked down on. Uh, just being a rule follower has a really negative connotation. But that's the message of Joshua. If you want to have courage, if you want to know that God is on your side then you have to obey the things that he's asked you to do. That's what gives you that kind of courage. 
And I think this next point is kind of similar in a way. It has that same feel of this, um, I don't know, almost a cyclical relationship, like obedience. You obey and God gives and shows and you obey because you said, think like, hey, that worked. Mm-hmm. So the next one, and this was just, um, again, one of those lines that I read in those last two chapters that is just Joshua saying like, love, love the Lord. And I think that loving God can give us courage. And I kind of likened it to a marriage relationship or really any relationship. The more that I think about it, a friendship, a parent to child, um, sister, brother, whatever, that the more love and trust that you put into a relationship and they reciprocate it, um, the more vulnerable and courageous that you're able to become because of that. And I think that that is kind of this, that overarching part of the story is that love God because he puts so much love into you. He's already giving us so much love. And Joshua sees that, these people see this. And so that allows them to love. And I would say it kind of maybe leaks into all of these obedience and remembering and that that's maybe where it all starts. I guess that's why we're told to love God as the first great commandment. Yeah, I really like that. I love thinking about our relationship with God in a familial way. I was looking at the next city that the Israelites conquer after Jericho is Ai. But in Ai, there's a different story. Um, With Jericho, they get a specific set of commandments about encompassing the city, you know, six times, and on the seventh day, seven times, blowing the horns, and the walls fall down. And they're obedient to that, and so they are able to take over the city. But then they get a commandment as they're going in. They are not to take any spoils from Jericho. They're to burn everything. And yet, in Joshua chapter 7, two individuals, Achan and Zabdi, uh, violate that commandment, and they take um, spoils with them. And because of that, and here's the, the influence on courage, uh, they go to war against Ai. Somehow they convince Joshua to only send three or 4,000 people, but those three or 4,000 people are immediately turned away. They're pursued by the warriors from Ai. 36 people die. And it says in verse 5, Wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Um, there's a couple of places in the story where the people's obedience and therefore their love wanes. Um, or sometimes goes completely different. And uh, because of that, their courage fails. So um, I, I just, I think of this relationship when we're loyal and loving to a family member, the more loyal and loving we are, the more, as you said, vulnerable the relationship can be, the more courageous we can be. When we violate that loyalty, um, then that courage and that willingness to be vulnerable starts to dissipate and even disappear. You can kind of see how, how Joshua, like I said, there wasn't a great, wonderful scripture on why we should love God, but there was those points of just just love him because that kind of encompasses all of those things. It helps you to be more obedient to remember. And the last one, which I think now that I'm looking at them, they all just kind of tie together. But this last one is the one I alluded to in the beginning was that famous scripture in Joshua chapter 24 verse 15. And I'm reading in a different text, so maybe this will be fun for those of you who haven't, um, who mostly have just read in the King James Version, but it says, 
But if it doesn't please you, worship the Lord. Choose for yourselves today. Which will you worship? The gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living? As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. So that idea of choosing. I think when we choose something and it's a daily choice, it's something that we're constantly needing to choose, but that brings us courage because, again, it ties into all of these other things. Um, The other verse, again, this is also a little bit later on in the chapter 24, verse 23. He says, Turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. I like that because I love the idea of this, I think, turning to the Lord and choosing the Lord, which we all need to think about and do. Um, I like those two words together. Well, and I like too that there's a choice in all of this. Um, Courage is an automatic. Faith is an automatic. Relationship with God is an automatic. It's something that has to be chosen. Uh, And Joshua has done just that, laid before the Israelites their story, their experiences, and then gives them the choice. Will you choose to serve? Another benefit, I think, of all of this that we're talking about, in addition to courage, is this. At the very beginning of the book, Joshua uh, receives this promise from the Lord. This is chapter 1, verse 13. Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. And then verse 15. Until the Lord have given your brethren rest as he hath given you that you also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. And then in chapter 21, that promise of rest is fulfilled. Verse 44, the Lord God gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. Um, I think in addition to receiving courage when we are remembering, when we're obedient, when we're loving God and when we're choosing him, we also receive rest, uh, the peace that comes with knowing that we are protected, that we're guided, uh, and that we're ultimately in the hands of God. So as you think about whatever the promised land might be for you this week, whatever next uh, step the Lord might have for you, and as you evaluate your own courage and consider what you might need to remember or what commandment might require more obedience, what you could do to love God and choose him more. Also anticipate experiencing rest as you make these adjustments in your life. Thank you for studying with us this week. We'll see you next week.